Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Perhaps you saw the headline, or you heard it, stated, quote, nobody thought we could do it. It was a world first. It was mission possible for Team Thailand, end quote. That was stated by a man by a name I cannot pronounce, but I will attempt, Narangsak Asotanakorn, chief of the rescue mission. I'm sure you have seen or heard word of this rescue mission that was necessitated by a 25-year-old coach leading his soccer team, the Wild Boars, consisting of or comprised of a group of boys between the ages of 11 and 16 into a cave complex in Thailand just before a monsoon downpour of rains flooded that series of tunnels, trapping them inside. And this rescue mission lasted for two and a half weeks, and it cost the life of one former SEAL diver here on Friday who ran out of oxygen on his return from having provided supplies to those who were trapped and preceding the initiation of the actual attempt at the rescue. Twelve Thai boys and their coach were rescued. And there was this additional quote, we are not sure if this is a miracle, a science, or what. All the 13 wild boars are now, now out of the cave. That was posted on the Facebook page of the Thai SEAL unit. Quote, we are not sure if this is a miracle, a science, or what. And then dot, 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 uh, end quote. That's right. Where there isn't faith, where there isn't trust in God, uh, there isn't going to be typically too much in the way of honor given to God. But thanks to God, these boys and their coach are safe. And one rescuer is dead. On the last program, I mentioned about the contribution by the Queen of England, Queen of Britain, Queen of Great Britain, Queen of the British Commonwealth, Elizabeth II. As stated by the House Commons Speaker John Burkow, 
Quote, I have to notify the House in accordance with the Royal Assent Act 1967 that Her Majesty has signified her royal assent to the following acts, dot, 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 European Union Withdrawal Act 2018, end quote. So she gave her assent to the Brexit legislation two full years after it was voted on, it then becomes law. Or does it? As you know, Theresa May became prime minister even though she had opposed Brexit. And, of course, she pledged her full support for it then after the fact, after she became prime minister. But, lo and behold, her full support is something shy of Full support. Surprise, surprise. Yes, so the will of the people for Britain to separate from the European Union will, in point of fact, not occur. Unless, of course, something else takes place, such as a vote of no confidence concerning the aforementioned Prime Minister Theresa May, and uh, an election ousting her, her government as such, and establishing a new government that would actually, sincerely, genuinely seek to accomplish the ends of the Brexit legislation. As stated by Jacob Rees-Mogg, quote, a very soft Brexit means that we haven't left. We are simply a rule taker. That is not something that this country voted for. It is not what the prime minister promised, end quote. Does that remind you of anybody else, such as our immediate predecessor president, Uh, to the current President Trump, who gave us promises, promises, promises concerning, of course, the Assured Care Act, Obamacare, and concerning all manner of other things. His administration was going to be the most transparent, the most honest, upfront that there had ever been. (laughs) And Obamacare would not result in people losing their insurance. It would not result in their rates going up, and so on and so forth. So many other things. (laughs) It would take an exceedingly long time to even mention them, let alone discuss them. But in addition to Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is going to instruct his 60-member strong group of members of parliament to vote down the proposals, or at least he has suggested that he may do that. He said the following, quote, This will require legislation, and if, when, we get the detailed legislation, it turns out that it is a punishment Brexit, that it is keeping us in the European Union 
in all but name, I will stick to the Conservative Party's manifesto commitments and will not vote for it. Will not vote for it, meaning, and that's end quote, will not vote for it, meaning he will not support Prime Minister May's Brexit, uh, her version of uh, how to accomplish the ends of the Brexit (laughs) vote, the Brexit legislation. So he is but one voice. Boris Johnson resigned as foreign secretary. He became the third minister, minister, no, not referring to pastors and evangelists and ministers of the Christian faith, but rather these political leaders in Britain became the third one in 24 hours to walk out of the government, to leave Theresa May's government rather than back this plan. His resignation followed that of Brexit Secretary David Davis and Davis's number two at the Department for Exiting the EU, the European Union, Steve Baker. And in Davis's resignation letter, he stated that he believes that Prime Minister May's proposal for a UK-EU free trade area governed by a common rule book hands control of large swaths of the British economy to the European Union and certainly does not result in returning control of laws to Britain. But with regard to Boris, Boris Johnson, he stated that the Brexit dream is dying and Britain is headed for the status of colony. He said Brexit should be about opportunity and hope. It should be a chance to do things differently, to be more nimble and dynamic and to maximize the particular advantages of the UK, of the United Kingdom, as an open, outward-looking global economy. Quote, that dream is dying, suffocated by needless self-doubt, end quote. And he said that Britain was headed for a semi-Brexit, dare I say a pseudo-Brexit, with large parts of the economy still locked in the EU system, and no United Kingdom control over that system. Not just large parts of the economy, but major parts of the economy under the control of the European Union. But this is what you get when you have the wrong kind of leadership. Following World War II, just weeks after the close of the European theater of World War II, Winston Churchill was voted out of office 
not directly as in a presidential election, but his party lost overwhelmingly. And as a result, he lost his prime ministership. And as a result of that, Britain did one horrendous thing after another, after another, after another. And it was actually, I believe, the voting took place five weeks after Victory Over Europe Day or Victory in Europe Day. Five weeks. <laughs> well, here, this has taken two years <laughs> for Theresa May to then usher this in. But, again, she was named Prime Minister after that, and she never should have been because she opposed it. But And on the way back to the U.S. of A, let me just share this in case you didn't hear it or see it, that Americans in the United Kingdom are on alert. That's right. The United States Embassy in London issued an alert on Tuesday to Americans in the British capital, warning them to keep a low profile. A low profile? Why is that? Well, to keep a low profile during President Donald Trump's visit later this week, in case mass protests against him turned violent. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Uh, That such a thing should take place with our ally, our closest ally, our dearest ally, Great Britain. Well, the president, Donald Trump, will arrive in Britain on Thursday after the NATO summit in Belgium. That's right, following the NATO summit in Belgium. The North American Treaty Organization... And uh, the president said the following, quote, I have NATO, I have the UK, which is in somewhat turmoil, which is a curious way to state it, pardon me for digressing. And I have Vladimir Putin, end quote. Trump said as he set off on his trip, his jolly trip to Europe, to the continent and to the UK. And his trip includes a meeting a powwow, a summit meeting with Russian president, as I say, president for life, dictator for life, Vladimir Putin. And that summit is taking place in the Finnish capital, Helsinki. And uh, I'm sure all matter of exciting Really exciting, momentous things will come forth as a result of that summit, just as these fabulous, momentous things came forth from that monumental summit in Singapore with uh, with Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un, the bloody little dictator of the North Korean communist regime that his family has been in charge of for, lo, these many decades. 
and who is now BFF of our president. So, as promised, back to the United States of America. In the previous program, I mentioned that there were three names that were most prominently named as possibilities to be President Trump's nominee to fill the vacancy left by the decease of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. That vacancy was not filled while President Barack Hussein Obama was in office. And so our President Trump had the opportunity to name a nominee. And Neil Gorsuch was his first nominee, and he was confirmed and has been doing good work since then. Gorsuch was only 49 at the time. The other two that were named were Judge William H. Pryor of Alabama, a federal judge, who was on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit in Alabama. And the other was Diane S. Sykes of Wisconsin. And I wondered, I opined as to whether they would be included on the short, short list for this vacancy. And it's not that they were officially named by the president as being on his shortest of short lists or by anybody else in the administration. There was a short list supposedly consisting of 21 possibilities, but they were considered to be the most likely of the likely. Well, as it turns out, neither one of them was named prominently among the four that were viewed as being the most likely. So the president, between then and now, decided to go a different direction. And that's perfectly okay. But, you know, I mentioned that there was a considerable amount of ruminating about <laughs> what are the abortion leanings of these would-be nominees, and with enormous focus on ferreting out, vetting these nominee, possible nominees uh, to determine whether they were the wrong kind of people, people that would not view the Roe v. Wade, Doe v. Bolton decisions as being unassailable sacred ground. Well... Lo and behold, small wonder that William Pryor wasn't previously nominated. Small wonder that he wasn't named as one of the most likely this go-round. Small wonder that he wasn't nominated. That's right, Judge William H. Pryor, no diplomat, okay? 
no diplomat, and what's worse, honest, upfront, forthright. Referring to the Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade, Doe v. Bolton decisions, legalizing induced abortion as the worst abomination of constitutional law in our history. Small wonder that he would be viewed in the most exceedingly low of terms by the likes of Charles Schumer and his compatriots, his comrades in the Senate, including the likes of Susan Collins, moderate Republican, you know, progressive Republican, Susan Collins of Maine, who was wise enough to realize that she would be better off becoming and running as a Republican than Democrat in the state of Maine. But not that Maine is conservative. It is not. It's just a question of which party had more sway at the time. So Judge William H. Pryor, who would have been outstanding, an outstanding addition to the court, he did not pass muster, but the nominee whom the president named, Brett Kavanaugh, seems like the biggest thing he had going against him, at least with regard to the president, President Trump, is that he worked directly for previous Republican President George W. Bush. When I say previous, I do not mean immediately previous, or immediately prior to President Trump, but rather the previous Republican president, so prior to Barack Hussein Obama. Well, Brett Kavanaugh is considered solidly conservative, whatever that means. And... He was a clerk for retiring Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy, among others. And as I stated, he was an advisor to President George W. Bush was involved with the Justice Department, was involved with all manner of things <laughs> that, that make him uh, politically radioactive in the view of some or many. But Senate Minority Leader Charles E. Schumer, Democrat, New York, He issued a statement promising to, quote, oppose Judge Kavanaugh's nomination with everything I have, end quote. In other words, with all of the vileness, lewdness, profaneness, wickedness, deceit, dishonesty that is Charles Schumer. One reason I could never, I mean, there are many reasons, but one reason I could never, ever, ever have run for U.S. Senate 
Not that that's where you start necessarily. Some do. Some have. If you will recall, John Fitzgerald Kennedy's son, John John, John Jr., was going to start with the U.S. Senate. Oh, I know it wasn't official. He still hadn't announced for office at the time that he tragically, accidentally died along with his wife and her sister in a crash of a small plane on their way to a wedding at Martha's Vineyard, I believe. But nonetheless, it was known (laughs) that he was going to announce his candidacy versus Hillary Rodham Clinton. They're in the great, great state of New York. And he would have been following in the footsteps of his uncle, Bobby, Bobby Kennedy, Robert, Robert F. Kennedy. But he didn't make it. He wasn't allowed to. Oops, but I thought it was an accident. Well, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, It certainly is a convenient accident, exceedingly convenient, and certainly offers great amount of cover and plausible deniability. But uh, I digress. But Brett Kavanaugh has his work cut out for him to be confirmed. And personally, despite what I've read, I expect that he won't be confirmed. I expect that this is going to drag out for mm, for the rest of the Trump presidency. And he will have to offer up nominee after nominee after nominee. And if and or when he nominates a person that is Chuck Schumer's kind of person and Susan Collins kind of person. And Senator Murkowski's kind of person. Then, then perhaps there will be a confirmation. Uh, but that's <laughs> just just a, a feeling I have. And you know, it may not be the case. Maybe Kavanaugh will be confirmed. Maybe. Maybe not. But it will be a wonder if he is for the simple reason that a couple things are going on. Not not the opposition from Charles Schumer, Chucky Schumer. No, 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 no. That's a given. Not the opposition from all of the induced abortion so-called rights groups. (laughs) But rather, the opposition, the extremely likely opposition from these Republican women. That's what really, truly stands in the way. And I fully expect 
that they will vote against him. That's just, that's just my feeling. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong. But Charles Schumer typifies, represents in every possible respect, everything that is wrong in politics in the United States of America. Everything that's wrong in government in the United States of America. Dare I say everything that's wrong in the United States of America. He's not alone. He has plenty of such company. But what concerns me with regard to Kavanaugh is that during his previous confirmation hearings, he stated that, quote, he believes Roe v. Wade or Roe versus Wade is binding precedent of the court, end quote, and would follow such a ruling and not move to undo the landmark induced abortion case. Why not? Why not undo it? Why would you let evil law stand? Why? Given the opportunity to execute righteous judgment and justice, to exercise mercy and loving kindness, why would you be a party to the evil? Suffice to say, while it may be politically expedient, to voice such things, it is not godly, not just not godly wise, not godly, not honorable, not just, not righteous, not noble, not good, but meanwhile, as far as what's coming, in this great confirmation proceeding, we have Senator John McCain, who is officially battling brain cancer and who seemingly is disabled to some extent such that he may not be present and accounted for, may not vote, Maybe just in absentia, he's just not there, so that there is not that vote that is critically required in this confirmation proceeding. Susan Collins, previously mentioned, from Maine. Lisa Murkowski, from Alaska. They are both champions of a so-called woman's right to choose. That's right. They're both champions of induced abortion. Every single induced abortion that actually, factually is induced abortion and not merely 
a fake procedure by an abortionist in order to reap (laughs) reward of performing an abortion on a woman that is not pregnant. Uh, Oh, no, not that that would ever occur. Or a failed abortion, an abortion performed, induced abortion performed on a woman that has an ectopic pregnancy and leaves her pregnant with an ectopic pregnancy, leaving her at enormous risk. (laughs) But every induced abortion that is an induced abortion that results in the death of the preborn baby is premeditated, cold-blooded, vicious, brutal, torturous murder. There are no exceptions. Every abortionist is a mass murderer. There are no exceptions. But Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, these fine Republican women, will almost certainly vote to deny confirmation. In addition to that, the political landscape has changed ever so little, but it has changed. Namely, that there is a Democrat U.S. Senator from Alabama taking the place of, of course, our Secretary of State, Jeff Sessions. So Doug Jones is there. Now, Jeff Sessions was replaced, you know, briefly, interim, by Republican Senator Luther Strange. And now he's been defeated, replaced by Democrat Senator Doug Jones. And so the GOP, or grand old party, Republican Party majority is down to 51 to 49. But again, John McCain is absent. So that brings it to 50 to 49. And then Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski tip it to 50 to 51 for the Democrats. So anyway... Perhaps I'm mistaken. Perhaps Brett Kavanaugh will be confirmed. Perhaps. But even if he is confirmed, I am by no means convinced that he will be what is needed on the Supreme Court. As I mentioned in the previous program, one more justice on this court even a good one, is not going to be enough to enable the court to roll back the decades and decades and decades and decades of evil rulings it has handed down. But especially if this new justice is some wishy-washy, middle-of-the-road, you know, Anthony Kennedy type. Something to look forward to, no doubt. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Whatever's right, true, good about this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. And whatever's wrong about it is my fault, is my blame.
Now, what's the big significance of this about Brexit anyway? Mm. It's a silly name. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know, these where they put these names of Hollywood actor and actress who are together, whether married or not married, put those names together to create a new name. And uh, it's that kind of thing, which is uh, bizarre and so forth. But what is this big thing about Brexit? I just want to address that for a couple moments before I come back to the matter of the abortion battle, (laughs) the battle to keep. Roe v. Wade, Doe v. Bolton, the law of the land, the evil, bloody law of this land. Well, this on Brexit and Theresa May, what's going to happen, I predict, unless, unless there is a successful call for a vote of no confidence, which requires... I don't have it in front of me here, but it requires a little more fallout (laughs) uh, to take place. And then there can be a call for a vote of no confidence. And then if that succeeds and she loses her footing for her government, then then maybe, 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 slight, slim chance that perhaps a new government will be fashioned that will actually seek to bring about the objectives of the Brexit or exit by the British from the European Union. But I suspect that what's really going to take place is as follows. Theresa May's agenda for common rules or a common rule book will go forward. And the whole Brexit initiative will fail, fail dramatically. And the United Kingdom will not be the stronger for it, but will be the weaker for it. And that the blame for that, instead of going to Theresa May, instead of going to all of those who have opposed this exit from the EU, that the blame will go to those who have attempted to bring about the exit from the European Union. They will be blamed for it. Even as if, It truly, sincerely, honestly were brought (laughs) to, to pass the way it's supposed to be and then had failed. So I suspect that Brexit is done. Even though Queen Elizabeth just, you know, gave it her assent. I suspect that it's done. I just don't think that's going to come about. So what? What's the significance of that? Just this. 
is that those who are pushing for worldwide domination or hegemony, if you prefer, which I rather hate that word, those behind the scenes, the George Soroses and so forth, who are pushing for that, they are desperate to see this fail, desperate to see the EU continue, the EU which they are so intimately involved with, the destruction of all national sovereign nations, to bring them all under one enslaving entity. But Theresa May and her government, they've cooked up a recipe for total capitulation to the European Union, or as some have said, to Brussels. Brussels where many years ago, decades ago, it was seen that uh, the fabulously powerful computers back then, (laughs) and they're vastly, vastly, vastly more powerful now, but known as the beast that it was resident in Brussels, Belgium. But... The problem is that, and this is why I have never been optimistic about this movement, about exiting from the European Union. The vote for which, of course, took place before President Trump won the presidency. But... And his campaign was likened to this campaign for Brexit. That it was remarkable, impossible, such an underdog story. Well, the idea that in this day and age, when the nations have effectively been stripped of power, stripped of sovereignty, stripped of their currencies, and made just part of one world, not regime, not totalitarian regime, but one world entity, all right? The idea that Britain leaving that would be a possibility is it's almost as unimaginable as the Confederacy leaving the Union. Even though in the Constitution of the United States of America, states had the right to secede from the Union. So, this is simply confirmation of 
of the way things are in terms of the powers that be behind the scene, pulling the strings. Being the puppet masters for all of the individual nation states. It's simply confirmation of that. This NATO gathering in Belgium, in Brussels, is all tied to that, to that agenda. I know it's not supposed to be. Supposedly, it's all about keeping world peace, right? Well, supposedly. But what's really going on is something else again. But as I said at the time, I believe, maybe I just said it to myself at the time when I first mentioned about the queen giving her assent, and so now it becomes a reality, or does it? Uh, it's, I think it's done. I think it's toast. I don't think there's going to be any effective exit of the European Union's wild renegade United Kingdom. No, I, I think they've got them for good. <laughs> I think they're done. But hopefully I'm mistaken. Hopefully. Hopefully Theresa May's government falls. Hopefully. Hopefully something good will occur. And people better than the Charles Schumers of this world will get into power there in the UK and will affect a rescue of the United Kingdom from the European Union. I know, I know that is just heresy on my part to suggest such a thing, but there you go. With regard to the nomination to the United States Supreme Court, back to that. It's not just about induced abortion, even though that certainly weighs heavily (laughs) on those who are absolutely, mortally tied to insisting on seeing that that never is taken away the right to rapaciously exploit women and murder their babies. But there's more than that. There's the sodomite rights agenda. The agendas of the pornographers. The agendas of those who insist that no murderers, no destroyers be executed. But that innocent, helpless people who have not recovered sufficiently from grievous injuries and wounds that they can, by court order, 
be starved and dehydrated to death over periods of days with police or state troopers at the doors preventing any from caring for them. There are many agendas and they go together. And over the past many decades, those who have opposed the evil of induced abortion have invariably failed to see that it is absolutely, inextricably interlinked with these other agendas. So these induced abortion activist groups, they're going to have a day of action on August 26th. That's the anniversary of the 1920 adoption of the 19th Amendment giving women the right to vote. Fascinating. Going back to 1920. Well, who were the champions, the women's champions, back in 1920 and 1919, 1918, 1917, and 16? Who were they? They were women who were absolutely, utterly, totally opposed to the evils of induced abortion, the evils of prostitution. And yet, here they are being, to this day, misrepresented as being champions of induced abortion. Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her women in arms on the Supreme Court and in the U.S. Senate and in Congress and some who have been in the White House (laughs) as First Lady and some who aspire to be President have managed to blind the American people, to fool the American people into imagining that these gross evils against women and young women and girls, that these gross, grievous, monstrous evils are for the benefit of women and young women and girls, when in fact they are to their destruction. And the champions of women's rights back in the 19-teens were the most stalwart opponents of these evils. You would never know it from the likes of the Charles Schumers or the Anthony Weiners. And they're like. Liars and destroyers who have succeeded for so long. The leftist political activist group Demand Justice, that's what it's called, it's going to spend millions and millions on ads through September, and they have already begun airing or they're going to begin airing this week, 
in Maine and Alaska to pressure Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, as if they need to be pressured, (laughs) but to pressure them to vote to deny the confirmation of this Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, who, again, in my view, is not worthy of the position, but nonetheless, they will also, this group, Demand Justice, it's called, will be airing ads, spending a bundle to have ads run in the states of Democrat senators who are viewed as being (laughs) uh, standing on the wrong side of things. Namely, Joe Manchin, Senator Donnelly, Senator Heitkamp. And those will be supposedly a softer tone, those ads. So, something to look forward to. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.